Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday. Today we are talking about this contraception bill, what the truth is about that, why so many Republicans voted against it. We're also talking about the myths and the facts of monkeypox. Should people really be afraid of it? And then we're also going to talk about this phenomenon that has been pushed on us by the powers that be of eating bugs. Are we going to all be eating insects soon? What does all of this have to do with our worldview as Christians? How does this speak to the view of human beings and human nature of the people in charge? We are going to get into all of it. Of course, as always, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie for American meat delivered. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. All right, guys, let me know what you thought about that new kind of introduction of telling you exactly what we're going to be talking about before we do the little intro music and get into the rest of the episode. Give me your feedback. Send me an Instagram message. You can drop a comment on YouTube. I look at those. I thought that would be kind of a better setup and give you an idea, a better and a clearer and a faster idea of exactly what we will be talking about before I kind of give my preamble that I usually do of saying something like, I hope you had a wonderful and relaxing weekend. I hope you were able to stay cool. If you follow my baking endeavors, which is something I started, I think July 4th weekend, I'm now like baking something um, every Saturday or so. I made a mixed berry pie and actually I felt pretty resourceful because I needed to get rid of a bunch of fruit that was about to go bad in our refrigerator. Also, I had frozen pie crust left over from, I don't know, maybe Thanksgiving. And so I used all ingredients that I already had. I didn't even have to go to the store. And it was really good if I do say so myself. Now, I am not that great of a baker. I'm not like a Uh, a baker that can make things pretty, at least not yet. I'm hoping that I will get there, but it did taste good. I tried to do the the latticing, you know, on the pie. And I was like, this is for the birds. As soon as I started it, I was like, why would anyone, why would anyone do this? Maybe this is something that is like you're good at. And maybe it is um, like soothing for you to do something that was kind of mindless. It wasn't mindless for me. It actually took a lot of concentration. I was bad at it and it didn't look good. So I didn't have like a pretty baking picture that I usually try to post. I'll post the I'll post the um uh the recipe for that maybe on Instagram because some of you were asking about it. I don't think that I'm going to be able to match the first baking endeavor that I did of the summer which was the peaches and cream. And now that recipe, I don't know if I can post cuz it's my grandmother's recipe. I don't know if I can call it a secret recipe. But I just don't know if I feel comfortable like giving it to the world. You know what I'm saying? Um, And so let me know what you think that I should bake this coming weekend and post of that. Although I will say that today I am trying to eat less sugar starting today. And I am addicted to sugar. I realized this about myself. It's really hard for me to cut back on it. I love sugar. I love sweets. I love carbs. I love all different forms of sugar. And so I'm trying to cut back. So maybe if you can recommend, I don't know about a sugar-free dessert, that doesn't sound good, but maybe something that's a little bit healthier for me to bake this weekend, I would love your recommendation on that. 
All right, now let's get into the first topic, and that is this contraception bill. You've probably seen a lot of propaganda on social media, in particular Instagram. I always say that white woman Instagram is one of the worst places in the world. It's filled with so much misinformation because we have these influencers and authors in self-empowerment, self-love new age gurus that also double as political commentators who are constantly posting these infographics telling you about a certain piece of legislation or a certain news story. And it's always wrong. It's always wrong. It always leaves out the correct information, the correct perspective or the other side of the story. I'm talking about Glennon Doyle. I'm talking about Jen Hatmaker. I'm talking about even even though I wouldn't necessarily put this person in that category, but Chelsea Handler. Chelsea Handler is one of the biggest purveyors of political misinformation that exists. She put out this video over the weekend saying, how could you ever vote for Republicans? They just voted against access to contraception. They voted against codifying interracial marriage. We talked about that whole myth last week. So go back and listen to that episode. I think it was Thursday, so we can link it in the description of this episode. But she is pushing this idea that Republicans, they not only want to ban abortion, but they also want to ban birth control and contraception. Um, And obviously, that's just not true. And we'll get into why in just one second. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day. And that is Patriot Mobile. So if you are tired of giving your money to companies, cell phone companies that are turning around and then using your hard-earned dollars to fund organizations and movements that are working directly against your values and the rights that you hold dear, then you need to switch to Patriot Mobile. It's America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they have been on the front lines fighting for your values. This is why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has made it really hard on Americans. Patriot Mobile understands that. That's why they They provide plans for almost any budget, but the great thing is, even though you're saving money, you get the same nationwide coverage as all the other major carriers. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Allie or call 972-PATRIOT. Use the offer code Allie to get free activation. Also, if you're a veteran or first responder, they've got an even better discount for you. So check it out, patriotmobile.com slash Allie. That's patriotmobile.com slash Allie. All right, this contraception bill, which is called the Right to Contraception Act, has already passed the House of Representatives, which, of course, the Democrats have the majority there, so that's not so much of a surprise. It faces an uncertain fate in the Senate. It probably won't pass in the Senate, and I will tell you why. So here is what the bill, H.R. 8373, says that it does to protect a person's ability to access contraceptives and to engage in contraception and to protect a healthcare provider's ability to provide contracept, uh, contraceptives, contraception and information related to contraception. Maybe that sounds pretty innocuous, but the first question that you should ask yourself is, is this actually necessary? Are people being blocked from accessing contraception? I actually saw it was Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina. She said that her state is about to pass a bill or is looking at a bill right now that is restricting contraception in her state. And so I looked up the details of this because I wanted to see what the bill was, what it said. And unfortunately, I couldn't find any information on it. What I found is that in the state of South Carolina, they just a few weeks ago made it easier for people to get birth control. That actually you don't even need a doctor's prescription 
in South Carolina now in order to get birth control. So I'm not really sure what Representative Nancy Mace is talking about. She is also one of the uh, one of the only Republicans, one of eight Republicans in the House of Representatives to vote for this so-called Right to Contraception Act, which was authored by the Democrats. Why is that a problem? Why did these eight, why is it a problem that these eight Republicans voted yes? Why did the rest of the Republicans vote no? Well, National Review, John McCormick at National Review does a really good job of breaking this down. So let me read a little bit of what he says in this article, which is titled Democrats Contraception Bill Overrides Religious Freedom Law and Protects Abortion. Surprise, surprise. So it's not really about just accessing contraception, which people are able to do already very easily in every state. It's actually about overriding religious freedom and protecting abortion, which is something, of course, two goals that Democrats are very fiercely intent on um, on pursuing. So he says this, Dems are rushing toward a vote. Democrats are rushing toward a vote on a bill this week that would establish a nationwide right to receive and distribute any drug that may act as a, quote, contraceptive, superseding the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act is a 1993 law that establishes a balancing test for courts to use when deciding religious liberty cases involving federal laws and regulations. RFRA was overwhelmingly popular when it passed in the House on a voice vote. It was actually sponsored by then-Congressman Chuck Schumer, Democrat from New York, and passed the Senate on a 97-3 vote in 1993. But since then, Democrats have turned against the law. So that should also tell you, you hear constantly from the left, oh, Republicans have become so extreme. They've become, they've gone further to the right. We're turning into this Christian nationalist hellscape. No, every single data point, every single statistical indication that we have, even anecdotal information that we have shows us that it is Democrats that have moved to the left dramatically over the past 30 years. It is not that Republicans have changed very much. Democrats appear to be taking a page from their 2012 playbook, McCormick writes in National Review, picking a fight over religious liberty in order to portray Republicans as opposing the legal right to contraception. That is why, as we talked about last week, Democrats are pushing bills like this, bills to codify Obergefell, to codify gay marriage and include interracial marriage for some reason in there. It's just wild. And they're pushing this bill, the right to contraception, as if that is something that is that is at risk of, that people are at risk of losing. It's because they are trying to portray Republicans as against these things. And they are packing the bills with these po- poison pills that they know Republicans are going to be against so they can turn around to their uninformed constituents or misinformed constituents, I should say. And they know the media is going to carry water for them in doing this and say, look, Republicans are against contraception. Republicans are against interracial marriage. Uh, Republicans are against liberty. They're against all these things. They're trying to take us back to the 1950s when really they know that they are including things in these bills that no conservative would stand for, like the overriding of religious liberty. So here's one part that I think is really disturbing, although not surprising. 
The Democrats' Right to Contraception Act explicitly condemns state conscience laws that protect health care providers who refuse to offer contraception, a term that the bill says includes sterilization procedures. So what does this mean? If you've got a Catholic hospital, for example, that does not perform, um, that does not provide birth control and will not perform sterilization procedures because it's against their theology, it's against their sincerely held beliefs, this law tries to override that and says, no, actually, you have to provide contraception. Actually, you have to perform these sterilization procedures on these patients if that is what they want. It doesn't matter what your religion says. It doesn't matter what your theology is. Um, Even for an individual doctor, an individual doctor is pro-life and it is against their sincerely held beliefs to um, prescribe certain things or to perform certain procedures. They're not going to stop their patient from being able to receive that in another way, but they personally are not going to be able to act upon that without violating their conscience. This law says too bad. You've got to give birth control, even though birth control pills have an abortifacient, uh, have an abortifacient property in them in that they're not just necessarily stopping ovulation, but they also have the possibility to kill a fertilized egg. We've talked about this a lot in the past. We can link a past episode on that if you're interested in more information. But this law is saying too bad. You can't have any moral or conscience objections or religious objections to these that is then going to inform the actions that you take as a doctor. Also, a really disturbing part of this is that the bill states that a person with no minimum age listed has a statutory right under this act to obtain contraception and sterilization. And so a minor could go to one of these places, could go to Planned Parenthood and say 13 years old, get birth control, try to find a way to get sterilized, and the parents would not have to provide any consent. Marjorie uh, Dannenfelser, who is president of Susan B. Anthony List, Pro-Life America, writes this, because the definition of contraceptions, uh, contraceptives in this bill is overbroad, it could mandate access to abortion drugs. H.R. 8373, states that contraceptives include drugs, devices, or biological products intended for contraception, whether specifically intended to prevent pregnancy or for other health health needs. This could include non-controversial applications of the drug, but it could also include the use of the drug to induce abortion. What follows is that this bill would then require the right to obtain a chemical abortion, the right to provide a chemical abortion, and would overturn any law that regulates chemical abortion by singling it out. And so this is why Republicans voted against it, because the bill can be used to force any organization or individual healthcare provider, including midwives, nurses, pharmacists, to provide contraceptives to whoever wants it, minor or adult, no religious exceptions, tries to undermine the Federal Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993, tries to undermine state-level Religious Freedom Restoration Acts, no protections or reporting requirements for minors who may be forced to obtain contraception by abusers and and or groomers. So that is why Republicans voted against it. I would say that most Republicans believe in allowing access to birth control. Although, of course, Justice Thomas did call into question how the right of birth control came into being. That doesn't mean that he's morally against birth control. It doesn't even mean that he is against the legal ability to access birth control. And so Democrats could say, well, because in his concurring opinion, Justice Thomas called into question um, the the reasoning of Griswold v. Connecticut, 
then that's why we have to kind of codify this. That's why we have to put this into law. But of course, they included all these poison pills that they knew that Republicans wouldn't support. And I'm very glad that Republicans didn't support it. And I'm very concerned that there were Republicans who did. I'm very concerned that someone like Nancy Mace, Republican from South Carolina, voted for this bill, knowing that it gets rid of conscience objections, knowing that it could include the so-called right to a chemical abortion. Now, what Republican in her right mind, what true conservative in her right mind would support something like that? That's really disturbing to me. That's what happens when you are purposely trying to seem like you can kind of walk the line or you're a moderate or you're so logical and nuanced or whatever it is, you actually end up supporting laws or supporting bills that are not pro-life, that are not conservative, and that would really be detrimental to the very constituents that voted for you, especially the Christians, the Christian doctors who don't want to prescribe, who don't want to perform these procedures. Very troubling, Nancy Mace. Very, very troubling. Now, before we get into the rest of this, because there's a couple more things I want to say, let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day. That's Adele Natural Cosmetics, one of my favorite sponsors because they're legitimately one of my favorite companies because they sell some of my favorite products. And that is my entire skincare regimen. Also, a lot of the makeup that I wear is from Adele Natural Cosmetics. They are a toxin-free cosmetic company where all of their products are made in the USA. It's a family-run company. They share the same values that you and I do. They are unashamedly, unabashedly pro-life. I love that about them. They use their platform to speak out for the most vulnerable, including the babies inside the womb. You don't find that with most companies, including most skincare companies, but you've got that with the Dell Natural Cosmetics, and I just genuinely love their stuff. I was thinking this morning as I was putting on their foundation how good my skin feels, and if I do say so myself, how good it seems like it looks, and that hasn't always been the case, but their stuff is just really good for your skin. It's really nourishing. It's really moisturizing without clogging your pores. I absolutely love it. I use a lot of the Blue Lagoon line that they have. Just gave some to my mom as well. And she really likes it. She's got sensitive skin. So if you do too, this is a great option for you. Highly recommend them. Go to Adele. That's A-D-E-L naturalcosmetics.com. Enter the promo code Allie for 25% off your first order. That's Adele naturalcosmetics.com. Promo code Allie. So the last thing that I wanted to say on this contraception bill, I wanted to give a little bit of encouragement to you and just remind you, because I know it can be hard, like the post-Roe propaganda that we're seeing of, well, Republicans want to ban abortion, but they also want to ban birth control. So they're really just trying to force births. The extreme example that you are hearing of some random young girl in Indiana having to not being able to get an abortion or the stories that you're hearing of doctors violating the laws by not caring for their patients who have ectopic pregnancies or miscarriages. It's really hard. We're going to be constantly bombarded with this kind of stuff from now until November. So my encouragement to you, whenever you hear something, a headline, and this goes for the left or the right, but because most of the media is dominated by left-wing ideology, I think it especially applies here. Whenever something sounds too good to be true or too bad to be true when it comes to how conservatives are being characterized 
always stop, take a step back and ask some questions. Ask the basic question, is this really true? And then ask, how do you know? Read through the article. Try to discern the biases that are being put forth. Try to break down the language that is being used. Ask yourself what information is being let out, uh, left out. If you see, for example, a story of a woman who wasn't able to be treated for a miscarriage in Texas because of the Texas law, go read the Texas law. You will see that the Texas law makes an exception if the doctor believes that there is a medical emergency, not even just for the life of the mother, but if the doctor believes that there is a medical emergency, also explicitly excludes care for miscarriage or ectopic pregnancies in the Texas law. And so, Make sure that you know the facts. Make sure that you are reading these bills and these laws for yourself so you can combat the misinformation. And even if you don't have the information to combat the misinformation, just start by asking some critical questions. That's something that unfortunately does not happen on social media. You're probably seeing a lot of your friends very uncritically share these headlines and share these stories without asking any questions whatsoever, including when it comes to the contraception bill. But God gave you a mind. He gave you a mind to think. He gave you the ability to ask questions. I get a lot of messages saying, can you break this down for me? Can you debunk this? Which I'm happy to do. That is a huge chunk of what we do on Relatable, what I do on my Instagram page. But do not underestimate your God-given ability and capacity to ask these questions and to break things down and to to debunk things for yourself. And always remember, Christian, that abortion kills an innocent human being. Abortion kills an image bearer of God. And that is what we must unashamedly push back against. You're going to hear the emotionalism from the other side, how abortion must be a right because of X, Y, Z. But look, abortion intentionally kills a human being. God tells us not to murder. End of story. And we have compassion for the mother, but we also have compassion for the child. And we don't sacrifice the physical life of the child for the needs or the wishes of the mother. If the life of the mother and the life of the child are competing against each other, then we do believe that the doctor should do everything possible to try to save both lives. Unfortunately, sometimes early delivery is necessary to save the life of the mother, but we do not believe in intentionally torturing, dismembering, and poisoning babies inside the womb. That's not a radical position. That's a common sense and logical position. It's a compassionate one. It is also a biblical one. All right, now I want to talk about monkeypox. And at the end, we're going to bring this together because the subjects that we're talking about today, as I mentioned at the beginning, do tie together and I think all speak to the same issue that we should be thinking through as Christians. So monkeypox, we are being told by the WHO that we all need to take very seriously. The general population needs to take very seriously. We saw some stories over the weekend. There's an infant that's been infected. There's been a toddler that's been infected that we've been told over and over again that anyone can get monkeypox, that everyone needs to take it seriously. There was a tweet by Alejandra Caraballo. She says today, this is July 23rd, a couple days ago, the World Health Organization declared monkeypox a health emergency and emphasized the focus on men who have sex with men. Given the climate in the U.S., this will lead to a dark place with rampant homophobia resulting from this. We have learned nothing from HIV AIDS. Uh, Devdet Padanake says monkeypox spreads from body fluid to body fluid via rashes, but people are focusing on male-to-male transmission just as they did with HIV AIDS in the early 90s. Homophobia is widespread even among scientists. Forget usual suspects. Media, how you report, reveals your bigotry. So this is a very common sentiment that you are seeing on Twitter. My friend, 
Bethany Mandel. She tweeted last week, she quote tweeted like a, it was like a picture of people waiting in line to get the monkeypox vaccine. They all had their masks on and she said, wow, thousands of people are waiting in line for a vaccine that they could, for a disease that they could just avoid by not having sex with multiple people. She didn't mention anything about homosexuality. She didn't mention anything about gay men. And she was just absolutely dragged. She was dragged through the mud by people on Twitter. I think I mentioned this briefly last week by people calling her homophobic, people calling her bigot, even people who are conservative saying that she is being like stuck up in her heterosexuality. I mean, it was just it was just wild because what she is saying is actually factually true this is not a concern in general for the general population and here's how we here's how we know this so the new england journal of medicine uh released a study last week saying this monkeypox virus infection in humans across 16 countries from april to june 2022 98% of infected people were gay or bisexual men 96% gay men 2% bisexual men 75% of infected people were white 41% of infected people had hiv 32% uh reported attendance at a sex on site event in the previous month the median age was 38 median number of sexual partners in the previous three months five minimum was three max 15 in three months wow transmission suspected to have occurred through sexual activity in 95 percent of the cases no deaths were reported also there were no women in this report who had gotten uh who they saw as um being infected with monkeypox. And yet we are being told by Twitter warriors, by journalists, by public health experts with blue checks on Twitter that anyone can get it. Everyone needs to be worried about it. I just heard a story from a friend this morning who um, the mom of someone that they know at their pediatrician's office went to the pediatrician to ask about a monkeypox vaccine. This is an STD. This should be regarded as an STI. I know some people are saying it's not an STD, but when 95% of cases are to have occurred through sexual activity, that is an STI. Sure, there I mean there are technically other ways that you can get other kinds of STIs, things that we know to be STIs, but you can get in some kind of like rare occurrence, rare way through having contact with the person's bodily fluids without having sex. That doesn't make them not STIs. The only reason people are denying this is because they're scared of homophobia. They're scared of stigma. But look, when this is affecting predominantly one community, if you say that you care about that community, if you want to save them the pain that comes with monkeypox, then maybe you should just talk plainly about this, there were these two threads over the weekend. One of them was by this guy who worked for the Open Society, which is George Soros's organization, a Swedish guy who talked about how getting monkeypox was so painful. But he had just attended an orgy and had sex with like 15 guys. And he believes that he got it from there. And then there was this other horrible thread. And I won't even get into the details of it because I didn't know that some of these things existed. And it's really, really, really disturbing. But this guy talks about getting monkeypox. And it was because he had attended two orgies recently. And if you criticize this, if you say, hey, maybe like you shouldn't, maybe monogamy is better. Or like maybe you shouldn't engage in this kind of behavior. 
you're called a homophobe. You're called a bigot. Not that I think anyone should even care about being labeled those names because they've just lost all meaning because the left just launches them totally indiscriminately at anyone that they disagree with. But you're basically saying if you are saying that if, if you're saying that it is bigoted to say, oh, maybe you shouldn't like attend gay orgies when there is a pretty serious disease going, at least when there's a pretty serious disease going around at these orgies, if you're saying that that is homophobic, then you're saying that that kind of lifestyle, that having that many sexual partners and being that promiscuous is so integral to homosexuality that to criticize that is to criticize homosexuality itself. I mean, that's a really big tell. That's a really big tell. So Benjamin Ryan, he wrote for the Washington Post. He is he's been covering infectious disease and LGBTQ health for two decades. He contributes to the New York Times, NBC News. He wrote for the Washington Post that we are being misled about monkeypox. And he argues that gay men need the unvarnished truth about the threat that monkeypox is and that we should try to lose the shroud of political correctness and the concern about stigma and just talk about what is actually true. So he says this, quote, anyone could get monkeypox. Countless public health experts have uttered statements such as this in the past two months. Members of the media and politicians have parroted the message. This broad strokes maximum, maxim that everyone on earth is susceptible to this viral infection might be factual on its surface technically, but it is so egregiously misleading, he says, that it amounts to misinformation. He says epidemiology is less concerned with whether someone could contract an infection. Instead, much more vital questions focus on which groups of people are most likely to be exposed. He said public health leaders are prioritizing fighting stigma over their duty to directly inform the public about the true contours and drivers of this global outbreak. Why do we trust any of these organizations or institutions anymore? I mean, this is really actually dangerous. Wouldn't it be great to have public health institutions that we can trust, that we know is actually going to tell us the truth. Of course, we learned how untrustworthy they are during COVID, but now we're just seeing it again, that they don't actually care about health. Like this is also how progressivism destroys institutions. Um, An uncomfortable truth, he says, one documented in peer-reviewed papers is that sexual behaviors and networks specific to gay and bisexual men have long made them more likely to acquire various sexually transmitted infections compared with heterosexual people. Huh. This includes not only HIV, but also syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, hepatitis B, and sexually transmitted hepatitis C. Global public health experts agree that skin-to-skin contact in the context of sexual activity between men has been the principal driver of the monkeypox outbreak, at least thus far. Sadly, state and local public health departments in the United States are failing to report the CDC vital demographic details about people diagnosed with monkeypox because they're scared of stigma. I mean, really, how is this not hate towards this group? How is this not hate? Because you're not willing to inform them and tell them the truth. This stymies the nation's capacity to respond to the outbreak with impactful interventions such as targeted vaccines and to promote health equity. So the truth always gets in the truth always gets in the way of whatever the left's primary goals are. In this case, their primary goal is to eliminate stigma. When it was COVID, their primary goal was to take control. And so the data is always so muddled. We can't actually ever get to the truth because they are so concerned with their political agenda and being politically incorrect. But I will just say, and I know this is controversial, 
But I mean, he's talking about some controversial and uncomfortable truths about the diseases that are more prevalent among this community. And I will just say it is almost like it's almost like the creator of the universe and the creator of human beings is made in the image of God, knew what he was talking about when he directed man and woman to preserve sex for marriage between man and woman. It's almost like he knew what was good for us. It's almost like he directed that, not because he is hateful or not because he wants to uh, rob us of good things, but actually because he wants to give us good things. So maybe God's directions, maybe God's definitions, maybe God's parameters are actually for our benefit, not just for our not just for our spiritual health, but also for our physical health. First Corinthians 6.19, we read this a lot. Or do you not know that your body, Christian, is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Christianity actually cares very much about the body. We believe that there will be, that we will be raised in new heavenly bodies. Jesus Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. Some people believe that Christianity is just, we're all just sex negative. The reason that we believe in preserving sex for the context of marriage between a man and a woman is because we're just repressive and we don't like the body and we don't believe in physical desire. That's not true at all. Actually, Christianity cares very much about the body. We care very much about biology. We care very much about sex. We think sex is a wonderful thing, but we also believe that the God who created these things has proper context for them. And that the smartest thing that we can do, the wisest and the most compassionate thing we can do, both for ourselves and for each other, is to follow the design that God gave us in these things. But obviously, not everyone is going to believe that. Not everyone is going to follow that design. So as it is, we have communities who are having orgies, who are having unprotected sex with multiple men on a weekly basis who are spreading monkeypox. And if you care about this group, no matter what you think about the behavior that they are engaging in, they deserve the truth about this. Unfortunately, when you don't have the Christian perspective of seeing human beings as made in the image of God, as seeing them as valuable, you actually do allow things like political correctness and political agendas to blind you to reality and to inhibit you from being able to speak the truth about these things. All right. Now I want to talk a little bit about this whole phenomenon of eating bugs that is being pushed on us relentlessly. It's so crazy. And what do all of these things have to do with each other? We'll get to that in just one second. Let's talk about good ranchers. Because, I mean, as I'll say in just a second, I'm not going to eat the bugs. Like, I'm not I'm not going to eat the crickets. I, I like hamburgers, and I like steak, and I like chicken, and I like seafood. And we eat that on a daily basis in the Stucky household. And you know where we get our meat? We get our meat from Good Ranchers. Why? Not just because it's really good, ethically raised, sustainably sourced, but also because it's all American meat. I like supporting American farms and ranchers. And also, I love the people who run Good Ranchers. They're Christian, conservatives. They share our values. So I just feel really good about supporting them. Makes our life easier, too. All of our meat showing up on dry ice, on our front door, just amazing. I love not having to worry about at least one part of our meal every night. We've got it in the freezer, thaw it out. It's good to go. Well, cook it first and then it's good to go. Make sure that you're getting your meat from Good Ranchers. You must use my promo code Allie, A-L-L-I-E, to get $30 off your order plus free express shipping. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie to start bringing people to the table, creating change in America, and eating seriously delicious food from Good Ranchers. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Allie, code Allie, GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. 
All right. If you're not getting your meat from Good Ranchers, you might have to start eating bugs sometime soon because this is being pushed on us constantly. And it's really freaking weird. Like it really actually disturbs me. I had some friends that went to Mexico recently and there were actually like crickets on the menu, which I know, I know millions of people, millions of people every day eat bugs, but that is not something we typically do in the West because we have the luxury of livestock and we eat things like beef and chicken and we just don't typically eat bugs. And they went to Mexico and they actually had like crickets with their guacamole. It's just too much for me. Well, the push to eat more insects in the West has been going on for a little while now. Um, let me read you some some headlines, some recent headlines about this. This is Tasting Table. Why Europeans may soon begin eating more insects in Europe. Crickets, mealworms, and grasshoppers were, are, were officially certified as safe to be eaten by humans in 2021. The Guardian, if we want to save the planet, the future of food is insects. Companies are using powdered insects in some of their products. You have to be careful. Look at the ingredients if you don't want to be eating them. A British company is making a milk substitute called Into Milk from black soldier fly larvae. I want to barf. Time Magazine, they're healthy, they're sustainable. So why don't humans eat more bugs? So Time Magazine is advocating for insects as an alternative source of protein for people in places without a lot of food diversity. The UN Secretary General Special Envoy for the 2021 Food Summit said insects are 60% dry weight protein. I mean, honestly, why wouldn't we use them? The BBC, why I prefer eating grasshoppers to beef. Sure you do. Um, French restaurant serves up food of the future. This is according to a uh, VOA News, taking advantage of the new EU bug consumption approval, a prawn salad with yellow mealworms, insects on a bed of vegetables, grasshoppers covered in chocolate. No, 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 no. Here is 2018 Vanity Fair, Nicole Kidman, saying that she is a huge fan of eating bugs as well. I am here to reveal my hidden talent, eating micro-livestock, cornworms. They're still alive. Mm. Oh, you can hear the crunch. She doesn't look like she's enjoying it at all, actually. I mean, she's an actress, and even I didn't buy that. She also ate some other things after that. Still alive? Why? Why? So, well, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you what they say is why. Because they believe it's sustainable, it's good for the climate. Now, what do I mean by that? They believe that eating meat, we've heard this for a long time, is bad for the climate. That's why you've got Bill Gates, who is investing in all of these like beyond meat companies that make synthetic meat, which is so bad for you. Like It's so much soy, which is especially bad for men. It's it's terrible for you. These be, And they're not sustainable, by the way. like It takes a lot of... Um, it takes up a lot of energy. It creates a large carbon footprint, if you will. Not that I really care about that, but to create these synthetic meat products that are vegan, they are not good for you at all. Um, but the climate change activists, including everyone at the World Economic Forum, they believe that eating meat is bad for the climate. Cows emit methane, a greenhouse gas, and they say that's damaging to the environment. And that's partly why you're seeing what we talked about last week that farms are being shut down and property seized from farmers in places like the Netherlands. I mean, you also have to wonder, we talked about this with Jackie Daly last week, if that is also what is behind these series of very mysterious fires at these farms and these food plants that we have seen over the past few months. 
humans are omnivores. We really are supposed to eat everything. And look, I know people who are vegan. They're great people. They're not some, you know, like crazy animal worshipers. They do it for health reasons. Some people do it for ethical reasons. They think it's wrong to kill animals. That's fine. I disagree with the with your contention about the morality of eating animals, but that's fine. I don't think that it is wrong or immoral to eat vegan. My mom, for health reasons, has been eating vegan for the past several weeks. I'm super proud of her. She's given up a lot of food that she really likes. She's lost a lot of weight. She looks amazing. And so it's, you know, it can be good for either periods of time or maybe some people commit to it for their whole life and they found that it's really good for them. I'm fine with that. But that doesn't change the fact that animal fat and protein is really good for you. Insects will never provide what we get from cows and chicken and other animals. Oh, and by the way, I wasn't saying that if you're vegan that you'll eat insects because I'm guessing that if you're vegan, you won't eat insects either. But they would prefer, the people in charge would prefer that we are vegan for the sake of the environment. I think that's fine. But we have to have animals. We have to have livestock and chicken and cows for everything that we need for our nutrients. And um, also, not just for that, but also we need the manure from these animals, from cows, in order to fertilize our crops to make the vegetables that they want us to be eating more of. So if we cut the meat production, if we uh, allow the government to continue to seize these farms and property, if we demolish our farming and our ranching industries, not just in the United States, but abroad as well. Like people are going to starve because it's not just meat. It's not just meat that you are losing. It is also the other kinds of food that we eat that are fertilized by the uh, by the manure from these animals. I mean, you are talking about mass starvation if they continue to try to push this stuff. Insects are just not going to be able to replace everything that we get from these animals. Now, from a theological perspective, it's not unbiblical to eat insects. As I said, there are millions of people around the world, um, including Christians, that eat insects on a daily basis. Either they have to or they want to. That's fine. John the Baptist ate locusts, and we know that he was a holy guy who was dedicated to the Lord. So I don't think it is immoral. But to be forced to, based on the theory that doing so is going to help the climate, is tyrannical nonsense. It's dangerous. It's going to hurt people. It's going to hurt nations. It's going to hurt economies. Farmers are going to be out of jobs. And we are absolutely allowed to eat meat, not just insects, but we are allowed to eat meat biblically. God says to Adam and Eve in Genesis 1:28, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So we are supposed to steward responsibly as we subdue the earth. Now, a lot of leftists really don't like that. They don't like the idea of human beings having dominion. They don't like that idea of hierarchy. They would like to believe that human beings really are just animals that were on the same playing field and the same level of worth, but we're not. We are called to subdue and to steward the earth because we have authority over it. And we're supposed to care for it well. We're supposed to be compassionate uh, for animals. But we are not to be paranoid about climate change. And we are never to sacrifice the immediate needs of humans for the sake of greenhouse gas emissions or for the sake of making our carbon footprint smaller or for the sake of protecting the lives of animals. We're just not. That's not the hierarchy that God set up. That's not the stewardship responsibilities that he's given us. And as far as climate change goes, I mean, obviously there is a lot of debate. There's a lot of debate 
out of the like homogenous group of political activists that call themselves climate scientists about what causes climate change, what human beings can do to actually combat climate change. But I always go back to Genesis 8, 21 through 22 and remind myself of the sovereignty of God, which says, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. This is after the flood. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done while the earth remains. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Genesis 9, 3, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. As I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. So that would include insects, but that also includes our cows and our chickens and the other things that we like to eat. This is under the... um, This is under the authority and the responsibility of human beings. Um, There was also, I think it's related, there was this New York Times article that came out over the weekend titled A Taste for Cannibalism. And the article argues that the time is now to start eating human meat. The article says this, cannibalism is about consumption and it's about burning up from the inside in order to exist. Burnout is essentially overconsuming yourself, your own energy, your own will to survive, your sleep schedule, your eating schedule, your body. And so basically what it sounds like is that cannibalism, which they are advocating for, not just for sustainability and climate change purposes, but also for like self-rejuvenation and restoration purposes, that it actually just is a part of a neo-pagan routine. I mean, there is a movement in leftism, which I've talked about with James Lindsay before, that glorifies like pre-civilization, that glorifies barbarianism, that glorifies paganism that actually believes that Western civilization has been exclusively bad and that we would all be so much happier. The environment would be better. The earth would be better. Human beings would be more peaceful if we went back to the time before there was civilization, before there was conquest, before there was imperialism and colonialism and all of these things um, that they say have only caused evil and bad in the world. And of course, it is a rewriting of history. If you look back at the Aztecs, if you look back at the Native Americans, how violent, um, how how violent their tribes were, how violent their religions were, how violent and short and brutal their lives were because of these kinds of beliefs, because of these kinds of routines. Again, a complete disregard for the worth of human beings. No one wants to go back there. The only reason that we are civilized, the only reason for Western civilization, the only reason for the idea of rights, the only reason that we do scoff at the idea or we're disgusted by the idea of cannibalism, the only reason why there is any kind of hatred towards something like murder or theft or assault is because of the Christian worldview. And I know people say, no, it's just common sense. No, people would be against hurting other human beings, even if it weren't for Christianity. But that's just not true. That is one thing that makes Christianity stand out is this concept of being made in the image of God. And look, you get rid of that, you get rid of that concept. And that's when all rights start going out the window, because if there is no greater authority than the government that gives us our rights and says that we are worth something that says that we have innate value, then of course, the government will be given the responsibility, the power to give and 
take away those rights arbitrarily as they see fit. If we really are all clumps of matter, if we really are just accidental balls of cells that happen to wind up here, then why shouldn't you promote cannibalism? Like, why shouldn't you be okay with abortion? Why shouldn't you be okay with murder? Why shouldn't you be okay with assault? Why shouldn't you be okay with mass starvation of people by taking away one of their main sources of protein and nourishment, which is meat? Why shouldn't you be okay with lying to people about the dangers of monkeypox? Why shouldn't you be okay with all of the assaults on humanity and on the value of life, on on the existence of life? Why shouldn't you be okay with depopulation measures that we are seeing come from the people at the World Economic Forum? Christianity is in direct opposition is in direct opposition to the ideology of progressivism, which sees us all as cosmic accidents and does not ascribe to us any innate value. And that is really the worldview that we are seeing behind all of the stories that we talked about today, a degradation of human beings, a perspective of human beings as a debit to the world, as people who take away from... um, Uh, who take away from the world, who contribute to climate change and who take away our resources and who weigh us down are really burdens on society rather than the Christian view of human beings as a credit, as an asset. And really, I mean, the whole idea of like the Malthusian catastrophe, which has been debunked for a really long time, that we are going to get overpopulated and that all of our resources are going to be stripped and we have to depopulate in order to save the world. I mean, that is not only dangerous, it's just factually untrue. The reality is, is that we need much, we need many more people than we have right now. That's something that Elon Musk talks about a lot. And the more people we have, the more innovation we have, because Humans aren't just these um, vegetables who come on the scene and they take the resources. There, of course, are people like that who just take and they never give. But human beings are also very innovative. They're very creative. They're very inventive. They are constantly coming up with more effective and efficient ways to care for people, to feed people, to sustain people. That is the Christian view of human beings is not just innately valuable, but also capable of of great and wonderful things that can contribute to the world and can help us um, can help us sustain ourselves, sustain our communities and our countries. That is directly opposed to the anti-human, the anti-natalist, the anti-image of God perspective that we are constantly seeing pushed by the left that I believe is undergirding all of the stories that we talked about today. All right, that's all I've got time for. Um, We'll be back here tomorrow. We've got lots of good, lots of good episodes um, up our sleeve this week. We've got lots of good interviews and I'm trying to get a debate for some time this week. We'll keep you updated on that. If you love this episode, please share it. Tag me on Instagram, share it on Twitter or text it to your friends. Also, if you love Relatable, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I appreciate you guys so much. See you guys back here tomorrow.